are now listening to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. It's Steve and Sam here. Season is over, but we're going to fight through it and try and talk about what happened and what's possibly could happen in the future. Sam, this sucks. <laughs> Third straight year of... Uh, I know. Maybe it's us. The, I have no clue. Third straight year of... Um, the pod ended this way. I don't know because the first year we did this was 2017, and that was the first year the Yankees played in a playoff series since 2012. So we were make, maybe thinking that we were bringing some good luck to the Yankees, but yeah, and, and that also ended with Houston, but it ended with some some optimism for the future. And now here we are, two years later, ending in Houston. And it doesn't feel the same. This this one this one hurts. This one sucks. Um, plenty of chances there. We can, we're going to go through kind of a little bit of what went wrong. But um, I think it's you blame whoever you want here. The Yankees had chances to win this series. They they lost four games to two, but a couple swings, a couple pitches here and there. Yankees win this four to two. Absolutely, and they forgot how to hit a baseball from. Game two, you know, through game four, had plenty of chances off of Cole, had plenty of chances off of Granky and those relievers. It just sucks, Steve. We were talking about it beforehand coming on to record tonight that the Yankees, like no fan wants to, everybody wants to flush this from their memory. But it's so tough to talk about it, and especially how Saturday ended with LeMahieu hitting that home run to tie the game in the ninth. And then, you know, the next inning and later, Altuve sending a ball to Saturn. I oh. thought this was, this was <laughs> supposed this was supposed to be the year. And especially after last year, a massive disappointing disappointment looking completely overmatched against the Red Sox. And they looked overmatched at points this series, but this series was there for the taking and they just didn't do it. This is, you know, kind of playing with house money in 2017. But fast forward to 2019, and they're 0 for 2 in even winning the American League. So the Astros move on. And, hey, the better team won. I'm going to come out and say that right the now. The Astros are they phenomenal. Had, they had better pitching. They had better fielding. They had better base running. They had better situational hitting. They did everything better than the Yankees. I am absolutely tipping my cap to the Houston Astros. They have a fantastic ball club down there. But the Yankees had a lot of opportunities this series, and they absolutely blew it, especially getting all that traffic against Cole in Game 3 a week ago. You really thought they were just going to knock him and get one or two in in one of those innings, and they didn't score anything off of him on a day where he had nothing close to his best stuff. It just stung all the way around. Yeah, I think that's the most disappointing part. It was they, they weren't completely shut down by Verlander, Cole, and Grinky like people expected. You know, everybody says, you know, good pitching beats good hitting type shit. And yeah, the Yankees' bats went completely quiet. 
Um, but this wasn't a complete shutdown. This went exactly as the Yankees kind of hoped. They're like, hey, if they don't have their A-plus stuff in Verlander and Cole, we should win this series. Our bats are that good. And that happened, except the bats didn't show up. And that's kind of what's disappointing here. Um, you know, it. yeah, we can scream that the, you know, the Yankees should have went out and made trades for these pitchers and everything, and they relied too much on the bullpen. But, you know, the keys to the, you know, we both talked about last week where, you know, you can't, if you get a mistake, you need to do what the Yankees can do with it. And then, you know, we saw in game, in game five, Aaron Hicks got a mistake from Justin Verlander and it won the game. Um, you know, in game, in games two and three, those mistakes were there. They were there from, from Verlander and, um, and from Cole. The Yankees had guys on base multiple times. They needed one, one hit. It didn't even need to be like a huge hit, just a couple singles. Um, and, and the Yankees are, you know, at least playing in the game seven. So it, that's that's the most disappointing part is they've had they had their chances. It wasn't a complete shutdown of like holy shit the Astros pitching just dominated us. It was you know the the Astros pitching did okay, the Yankees pitching did okay, and you know the, the Astros hitters were the difference here. Um, uh, we we I asked I asked you for some some guys that were going to be key players going into this series, but the two guys for me were Jose Altuve and Chad Green, and unfortunately it's exactly what happened. I said if the Yankees can shut down Altuve, they can uh, they can win this series. Jose Altuve batted 370 this series. I said Chad Green's going to pitch a ton, and as long as he pitches, he lights out Chad Green, the Yankees will win this series. Chad Green gave up two huge three-run home runs, including opening the game, uh, game six, the Yankees were never able to really come back on. So I picked the right two guys, but the, the wrong thing happens for each guys, and that kind of cost, cost the Yankees here. Um, it just, there's a lot going on, all these guys, but the hitting was the biggest disappointment. I mean, how many guys batted under 200 for the Yankees? I mean, you know, Gary Sanchez looked completely lost at times. Um, geez, we're talking about Edward Encarnacion looking like he'd never played baseball in his life before. Um, you know, and you know, same for, same for Stanton. He, he came back for that one game and didn't look good. It was just a lot of players that, that just didn't perform as they needed to. And that, that sucks. It really did, and you, you hit it on the nail, Steve. Sanchez, Encarnacion, Stanton looking completely lost at times. Uh, the reason Stanton wasn't in there for Game 6, just very, very confusing to me. They flew late the previous night, Aaron Boone said. I had no clue what that meant. Um, but when the Yankees <laughs> traded for Edwin Encarnacion in June, I, I thought they were getting a huge bat that would help them down the stretch and in the playoffs. And it was good when he played in the regular season, and he was good for the first two games of that twin series. But holy cow, that was not the same Edwin Encarnacion playing in that Astro series. I think maybe Chris Carter was wearing oh, his God. uniform or something. Sam, this already sucks know. if you had to bring up Chris Carter. <laughs> that was not Edwin Encarnacion at the plate for the Yankees. And really, you just I just saw a bunch of screenshots on Twitter you know, going through hashtags and everything of the six through nine hitters every game, or the five through nine hitters, mind you, that, I mean, all of them batting averages of 125 or under, it seemed like. Didi, Stanton, or uh, excuse me, Didi, Edwin, Gardner Sanchez, batted under 200. Gardner. Aaron Hicks, uh, take away that one hit. You know, he, had a, he walked a lot. He had, he had a strong on-base percentage, but he also batted 150. Um, you know, Didi got two hits in game, game six, which was nice, but a lot of times throughout the playoffs looks completely lost at the plate. Um, so it's, it was, it was top to bottom. I mean, I would, no, I'm, not, I'm sorry, not top to bottom, but you know, DJ judge and Glaber did 
DJ Judge and Glaber things. I mean, I mean that at bat by DJ LeMayhew was all time. Like if the Yankees come back and and win that game and somehow steal Game Seven for that and, and go on to win a title, that's a Hall of Fame at bat by DJ LeMayhew. That was you know Osuna was throwing his best stuff at him and it took eight pitches and, and DJ got the best of it. So you know it, it sucked, but it was a great time. You know Aaron Judge though at the same time didn't come through with that huge hit. Like he you know he played okay. I mean he had almost a four hundred on base percentage. Uh, you know, Glaber's amazing, and, and you know, uh, so it, was, it wasn't all terrible at the plate, but at the same time, I'm not going to place blame on one player uh, for this. This was this was a team effort, um, and it was a team loss, and it goes you know, from the, the, the lineup. I mean, the, this is the team that scored the most runs in baseball. They broke their own record for hitting home runs here, um, and it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. It, it, I'm fine with relying on the long ball, um, but for some reason, you know, the long you can get cold with the long ball, and it can't happen in October, and it's happened too often for the Yankees. Yeah, you're right about that, and it just came down to a lot of guys underperforming in the lineup. But I'm also not ignoring the issues they had in the starting rotation and in the bullpen. Everybody's yep. going to bring up Adam Montavino. Adam Montavino. I don't know. Who, I don't know who that was. You mentioned. You mentioned. Uh, and Carnacion, who that, uh, that was not Adam Alavino in the playoffs. Adam Alavino was one of the best pitchers in all of baseball, especially for relievers. And he had four games where he didn't get an out. Yeah, uh, the game two to Springer. Uh, yeah. Why he was used in that game four in a, in a three-run game is mind-boggling. Uh, had a big inning in game six. I'll give him that to keep it close. But uh, also the starting rotation – I know Paxton had a great performance with the season on the line, but you go back to game two. I mean, it seemed like it seemed like they had his pitches based on the communication with the John boy video. It seemed like they had his pitches and he was getting rocked. They were not fooled at all by his breaking stuff. And they were sitting on every single fastball. You go to game three, Severino starting. He went out for the fifth inning. If he gave him five innings, I'd have signed up for that, but he can't make it out of the fifth inning. Steve, in the last three Yankee postseasons, or since game five of the 2017 ALCS, when Tanaka threw that masterpiece, uh, when the series was tied 2-2, it put the Yankees up 3-2, heading back to Houston, where they eventually lost the two games. Since that... Yankee starters to go five innings in a postseason game. Masahiro Tanaka, five times in five tries. All other Yankees pitchers, one time, and that happened on Friday in game five when Paxton went um, six innings. Yeah, that's crazy. It's it's becoming an issue in the last few postseasons that Tanaka is the only Yankee starter, no matter if it's Luis Severino, James Paxton, Jay Happ, Chad. Well, obviously, I'm, I'm not throwing Chad Green out there. That's a bit but of a miss. Go back two years. CeCe's been starting for the playoffs. Yeah. Um, he, he started in 2017 and 2018. And he made it six innings uh, once in 2017. But the, tax, the taxation on the bullpen, and, and this is what I'm going to get into right now, Using your bullpen all throughout the year, and I know Aaron Boone manages it very well, not one Yankees reliever pitched three straight days in the regular season, three straight calendar days. The bullpen gets taxed 
They need the starters to eat the innings, especially in the playoffs. And you're in a situation here where if they get to game seven, if they end up winning game six, not only did you have to face Cole that next day, but with Severino not being able to go deep into games, you're essentially taxed with yet another bullpen day. So the likelihood of the Yankees winning that game was slim to none. But, hey, you don't know unless you get there. But in this situation, how the Yankees, with the game four rain out, they had to play, if it was going to go seven, they had to play four consecutive days uh, since they lost the travel day. So to rely on your bullpen and Paxton, hats off to him. He gave him a great start in game five. But they had to play four days in a row. And you really can't rely on your bullpen for that long. And going into the offseason, the starting rotation, I know they got Paxton last year, but it's something they're definitely going to have to address because the Yankees have a huge, huge problem eating innings. And you look at the other side of things with Houston, I mean, man, they got Verlander, Cole. Even when Verlander gave up a four spot in game five in the first inning. That was huge. He still went six innings. Seven innings. What do yeah, you got? Se- seven innings. Yeah, seven. that was huge. That that may have won Game Six because ideally you're thinking, oh, we got you know Verlander four in the first. You can knock him out by the third, fourth inning and get six, seven, you know, six innings out of that bullpen for Houston. It's huge. He goes seven innings, and then what? They they use they use Brad Peacock, and that's it. The guy ended up being the starter for Game for Game Six. But now they only used two pitchers in, in Game Five, where the Yankees used four, and then we we in Game Six. You know, we have to use every single one of those pitchers again. So, yeah. I, I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. You know, the you know, Yankees relied on their bullpen, and it cost them. Because, you, you say, I mean, Chad Green pitched four of the six games. Uh, you know, Tommy Kaleen was in at least three of them. Jack Britton was in, I think, four of the games as well. So, you, you start seeing these guys so often. You know, they only got two pitches most of the time. It, it makes sense. It makes sense. But it worked so well in the postseason, in the regular season, and that's what the, kind of everyone's been screaming about is, you know, the home runs work well in the regular season, the bullpen works well in the regular season, but you need the starters and you need the contact guys, whatever the fuck you want to call them now, um, for the postseason. Um, but still all that, they could have won. And, and that's what, that sucks. This wasn't a uh, – we saw, we saw the two best teams in baseball play, and the Yankees got beat twice on walk-off home runs. So that was, that was, I mean, going, you know, from an outside perspective of it all, this was an awesome series of baseball. We saw some really good pitching. We saw some huge clutch home runs for baseball. And we saw two heavyweights going at it, you know, putting their best against the best. You know, the power versus the starters, the bullpen matching here and there. And it, it was, it was you know, as a baseball fan, it was a great series. And I, I, don't, I don't think the Houston Nationals series um is going to match that i think this is to me this was kind of came down to the world series of it all um so it's but in the end in the end the yankees are on the short end of the stick again and it's twice in two years twice in three years to to houston um and it's becoming it's becoming a rivalry for for us and we're we're not used to losing the rivalries here and the yankees have and now they have to look into into the the season here a week or two before they were hoping for it and, and it could lead to a bunch of big changes we could we could see a lot of things happen here. Um, I, I I'm done talking about these games. I, I I'm done over it. Let's go to 2020. Um, you want to go run down some players here and see if they will they be back with the Yankees, um, or and kind of see some some moves we might we might make as, as the winter comes on. Well, the first 
move that the Yankees are going to have to think about. It's kind of like a 1A, 1B here for me. It's the situation on the left side of the infield. First with Didi Gregorius, whether they are going to give him the qualifying offer would be probably 16 or 17 million for 17.8 that just came out. 17.8 million. So, if they're going to give him the qualifying offer, he declines, he walks for a draft pick. But if you give him the qualifying offer and, and he accepts, you're in a bit of a tricky situation, I'd say. So, you have to wonder what the Yankees do with Didi Gregorius. If he comes back next year, Glaber Torres moves to second base. Uh, you maybe have Luke Voigt at first base, and then you do DJ LeMahieu at, at third base. Uh, if you're just going off of internal options that the Yankees have on their roster currently. The 1B decision that you have to think about is what do you do with Miguel Andujar? He can't field. He's got a hell of a stick at the plate. Uh, is he a DH only type? But now you've had injuries with Stanton in the last year. Can he play the field consistently or does he have to be a permanent DH? Uh, and do you trust Miguel Andujar at third, especially after the season Gio Urshela just had for you at the plate and in the field? So those are my two burning questions going into this Yankees offseason about what they're going to do. And, of course, the most important one is how they're going to attack the starting rotation because we just saw how badly it beat them against the Astros. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get to the rotation. Just, I'll, I'll stick with Didi um, here because I think you're right because Didi does have a domino effect for the whole, the whole kind of lineup. It's a very right-handed, heavy lineup, and, and taking Didi out – and kind of going with some of these scenarios here just adds more right-handedness to it. So, I, I, you know, it's there. With the, the qualifying offer, um, I, thought, I thought going into the year the qualifying offer was going to be a great option for Didi. Coming off of uh, Tommy John surgery, um, it, takes, it takes a while to come back from that. Um, so I give him credit there for not having the, the best season once he did come back. And I thought that would be a good middle ground for the Yankees. Hey, here's $18 million. Let's figure it out one more year and, and then go from there. Now... Honestly, I, I don't offer that to him. I think you try and look for – you see if he goes for a, a DJ LeMahieu type contract of, you know, two years, $25 bucks, maybe something like that, or a one-year prove-it deal with an option. Um, it, it is kind of going to be really interesting there for, for what Didi goes here too. Um, I think he wants to be here, but he also knows that he's 30 in a shortstop and they don't; those contracts only get smaller at the age of 30, after the age of 30. So he might just go to whoever's got the best offer here. That best offer could be the qualifying offer from the Yankees, but I don't think they do it now. I don't think I don't think they 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 give it to him. So I, you could see Didi walk for nothing, and that'd be crazy. You know, a year ago when we were doing the funeral podcast, we thought that was crazy. That was before we even knew we had Tommy John. But you know, we thought you know Didi. I think I think both of us over the past three years have wrote two or three times about how we would extend Didi five six years. You know, at, at 70, 80 million bucks. And now we might let him walk. So that that is that you know it's, I don't know. I, I think Didi walks. I think that's my initial you know October twenty twenty second twenty first um, pick is that Didi is done as a Yankee, and that will push um, that'll push Glaber to short for now. There might be something that might come up a little bit later on that we might talk about. That see what happens there. But with that, regarding Gio, Gio Shara looks phenomenal in the playoffs too. He, he showed his glove. He showed his bat. That position is his to lose going into spring training. Um, and like you said, Andujar coming back, 
I, I don't put. I, there's no way I can put Andujar over G. Urshela right now on, on the Yankees' depth chart as an organization. How much trade value do you think Andujar has right now, too? I, I'm <laughs> a lot not, less than he had a year ago. <laughs> absolutely. And does a nat, can a National League team even think about trading for him w- with his glove at third base, or would they even consider trading for him? Yeah. So you're really in a bad bad position with Miguel and Newhar right now so maybe I, the Yankees stick him in AAA to start next season I mean that's certainly possible but we're talking about a guy who was second in rookie of the year voting in 2018 totally. so so Sam I got gonna, something a little weird here for that is well there's a 26th man next year so that kind of is literally almost perfect for Andujar to become that 26th man for the Yankees there and, you, and then you have him rotate it around at DH uh, and at third um, we've seen this year how many injuries can happen, so it's it's never too much to to you know to have extra guys here. I think if you you put him on the trade market, if you get a deal you like, you take it. Um, I don't think Cashman will get a deal he likes because he knows how powerful that bat can be. Um, and then if, if I said if Didi's gone too, it's he didn't play it at all really this year. But G. Urshela has played shortstop. He could move to slide over to shortstop once a week if we need to. Um, and that could then also, you know, have, you know, you, you have so many lineups to play with here. But then you have Glaber go back to second. You're going to have Andujar at third, LeMahieu at first, or someone at DH and play it all around here. So I think, you know, having too many guys is not a problem for me. But, you know, this 26-man spot, okay, fine, Andujar, here's your 26-man spot. You're not guaranteed all the at-bats that you thought you would be, and you got to earn it back. And we'll, we'll see if he can handle that. I don't know. We'll see if, if, if he's there because you're right. I would trade him if, if the right deal came up. Yeah, I agree with you, too. I don't think the right deal is going to come up for Brian Cashman. And, yeah, like you said, there's no harm in bringing him in the spring training, you know, having him being that 26th man or, or down in Scranton getting reps and, yeah. you know, showcasing his talent down there, playing third base every day, whether, you know, scouts are looking at his bat that we know is very powerful or seeing how he's progressing in the field, if at all. So those are obviously, in terms of guys still on the Yankees roster, the two guys, uh, really that left side of the infield, like we said, that left side of the infield is the holds the two most burning questions about the Yankees going into 2020. And we're going to find out really soon. Uh, the deadline, the MLB offseason moves pretty, pretty slowly. Uh, but one thing that doesn't move slowly, it's because there's a deadline for it, is the qualifying offers. Yep. So the Yankees, we're going to find out whether they make the qualifying offer, you know, in the coming month or so. And then we'll find out whether, if they do, whether Gregorius accepts uh, in the next month. I don't have the exact deadlines, but I do know there are deadlines for that qualifying offer. So that's something we should know uh, sooner than later. So the sh- focus is then going to shift over to uh, Andujar and what they're going to do with him. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of talk about him in the winter meetings uh, with Brian Cashman, with other executives. But, yeah, I think Andujar is going to be on the Yankees going into the 2020 season. Didi, I'm not so sure I'll give it a 50-50. All right, so sticking with that side of the infield, let's get a little crazy here. Um, it's already been a couple people already wrote about it. I already tweeted about it a little bit too. Does this type of loss make the Yankees push and do something 
like a Francisco Lindor. I think Francisco Lindor is one of the best players in all of baseball. He's going to command a $300 million contract. He is not a free agent until after 2021. Do the Indians play the game of let's just try and win while we have him here? Or do they try and cash in right now? I have no idea what a deal would look like. But if you do something like a Francisco Lindor and Corey Kluber, who's about to make $18 million, and we know that we know that Cleveland values getting rid of contracts. If Cleveland does not think that they can catch the Twins and they think the White Sox are catching them, do they now hit the restart button and package those two players for uh, Miguel Andujar, Devi Garcia, Estevan Florio, Lewis Gill, and a couple other guys, maybe uh, you know Anthony Siegler down in the minors uh, as a uh, super far away catching prospect here. Do the Indians hit the restart button and do the Yankees after prospect hugging for so many years, give in to something like this and give away four or five of their top prospects to try and land Lindor here and make him the future for the next decade at shortstop for the Yankees. Well, the Cleveland owner uh, this past year uh, said he'd never give a $300 million contract out. And uh, he was asked what his message would be to fans uh, and he said, enjoy uh, about Francisco Lindor. And he said, enjoy him. Uh, so that oh, means, he's gone. Yeah, yeah, he's gone. Uh, but this is making me think back to the Trevor Bauer trade this past summer and how he was the number one target for both me and you, Steve. Yeah. Uh, but it came out, Jim Bowden had a report that uh, the Indians were not trading Bauer to a team that they thought could they could match up with in the playoffs. And so they obviously weren't moving them to the Yankees. So like you said, if Cleveland has done a 180 and saying we can't catch the twins and we feel the White Sox are catching us, they'd need to go all in on a rebuild and they'd have to accept that and reverse their stance um, with the Bauer trade this summer of how they weren't giving him to an American League contender or any contender for that matter who they thought they could play in the World Series. So I would do a trade like that, but I don't see the Indians pulling a drastic move like that. I would do it, um, but like I said, I don't yeah, see I the agree. Indians doing that. I, I totally think that it would be an issue and the Yankees would have to pay – additional money for that could you know a different team uh, in the nl offer maybe a, some sort of similar package to, to get him too and if that's on the table then then yeah then that's what they um you know that that's what that's what the team's gonna do They're, they would much rather trade him to the nl if it becomes an option here um and i and you know the indians are gonna say no way we're not getting rid of him right now whatever but like you said in the end francisco lindor will get traded he will no longer be an indian whether it be this year this all this Deadline deal next off season, whatever it is, the, the the clock is ticking. So it's just, will the Yankees kind of push that clock for the the Indians and offer them a, you know something they can't refuse, or do they wait it out and see what happens? Uh, like you said, the the likelihood of this trade happening is is very very small. But if we're talking about infield, um, you know, if the Yankees look to do something drastic, especially in the infield, this could be um, an option that that they're looking. Um, so we'll see what happens there at shortstop at their base. Lots of options for the Yankees. Um, and it could look very, very different. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens, and we'll, and we'll monitor it all winter. Um, stick in the infield here. This one will be quick. 
Um, if you follow me, you know I've been screaming at people about Gary Sanchez for the past 48 hours. People saying to cut him, drop him, get a reliever for him, whatever it is. Um, Gary Sanchez will be the Yankees catcher next year. Gary Sanchez is not as bad defensively as everybody says. Gary Sanchez sucks um, in the playoffs so far and has cost the Yankees offensively and defensively. All these things are true. Um, also, it ties into Lindor a little bit. If I'm, if I'm the Indians, I might say I demand a Gary Sanchez-type player in the deal here, and I don't know what if that ends talks for the Yankees. Um, so, different story there. But, but Gary Sanchez will be the catcher. Gary Sanchez is going to hit 30 home runs this year. Gary Sanchez is going to piss off a lot of people. But just a, a fuck you to everybody that says just just get rid of him. Who cares what we get for him? It is ridiculous. <laughs> I agree with you there, Steve. Uh, one thing I would like to see him work on, though, more is definitely his conditioning. Um, you know, behind the plate, too, I, I feel that it, his conditioning uh, has cost him some of these injuries. I know catcher's a position where there's a lot of wear and tear involved on the player. But I feel like if he had better conditioning that he would – uh, that he would avoid some of these injuries and maybe the Yankees pay more attention to his load management. And we, we've talked about this before, about the Yankees have, have a few guys that, well, Edwin Encarnacion is not going to be on the team next year. But um, Sanchez is a guy that maybe catches four times a week, DHs one, and then gets the next game off. So I really feel uh, that he has to have that load management. Uh, you, you know, Aaron Boone, uh, you know, Marcus Thames, and even Brian Cashman uh, stepping in here that, you know, he needs time to he, – he needs to have his load managed. And uh, <laughs> he, he – say, say load manage one more time. <laughs> load management. And what we're talking well, – this is now an NBA podcast. <laughs> but – yeah, it's really uh, – it's tough to see him struggle. I'm a huge Gary fan just like you, Steve, and and it's tough to see him, you know, go three for 26, I believe he was, before game six uh, since he returned from that uh, from that groin injury in that series in Texas the last week of the season. But uh, I, th- I feel like his conditioning needs to improve, and I feel like he needs to see some more time at DH next year because uh, – the Yankees are going to need, and I've said it a bunch of times, I've said it a lot this year, the Yankees are going to need uh, elite Gary if they wanted to bring home a World Series title, and that yeah. goes for next year too. Yeah, and the, the thing is there is that elite potential. We know the power could be there. Um, look, he, the pitchers think he calls a great game, it's, and it's kind of proven by, by some of the, the next-gen stats that he calls a good game. He has an elite arm strength, elite pop time. There's a lot of good that you can pick out of Gary Sanchez behind the plate to go along with all the terrible things you can pick about him too. He's got, he gets lazy behind the plate. He gets a lot of pass balls. His pitch framing went down a ton this year, which I think kind of relates to his, his, uh, his moving around too much to prevent the pass balls. So there's a lot of work that he can do defensively there. Um, and you don't want the defensive stuff to lead on to the offensive stuff because if Gary Sanchez plays 120 games, he's going to hit 45 home runs. And you mentioned the wear and tear of it, and he just hasn't been able to prove that too. So his health might be the biggest factor. Because I guarantee you there's going to be a video this offseason where we see Gary Sanchez working out, and we're like, oh, shit, Gary looks jacked. And then as the season goes on, it kind of starts turning a little frumpy and frumpy as it goes on because those soft tissues, those pulling the groin there, kind of limits you for two, three weeks at a time. And then kind of all that work you do in the offseason can can disappear from a, from a standpoint there. 
they'll have to decide what they do for backup. If they're going to load manage them like you want them to, you got to have a good backup. Austin Romine is finally a free agent for the first time in his career. Um, he's going to probably look for a starting gig somewhere. I don't think he's going to get it. Um, but he's a really nice backup. Do the Yankees overpay to keep him at backup because they know they're going to use him 60 times, 60, 70 times a year? Or do they just roll with Gary and, and let Higashioka, who's been patiently waiting for his shot to be a backup catcher? But Higgy and Romine both kind of have nothing to offer behind the plate. I mean, they block the ball. Okay, great. But they, they have bad arms. Um, you know, I think, you know, getting a stolen base and a pass ball is, is equivalent to me. The, the guy goes from first to second. So, you know, defensively, they don't they don't throw me. And offensively, as backup catchers, they're backup catchers. So it'll be interesting to see what the Yankees do there at catcher. Um, the latest, biggest um, kind of guy that everybody wants to talk about, everybody wants to trade, which, again, will probably be impossible to, is John Carlos Stan. John Carlos Stan had a t- terrible 2019 season. He played in, what, 18 games. He played in only three or four um, um, playoff games here. He, had, he did a nice home run in the playoffs, but people want to get rid of him already. That contract is untradeable for a couple reasons. One, it's massive, and he has a full no-trade clause. Um, so I don't think Stanton is going anywhere, but I don't know if Cashman will take offers for him. Who knows? Cashman will listen to anybody, but I, I think it's pretty set that we can lock in Stanton um, as an as a player for the Yankees next year, it really is, and I really am irked by a lot of fans. They think it's Stanton's fault that he got injured. I mean, these he guys doesn't are want human. it, Sam. He doesn't want to play. Don't you know? <laughs> the, the, these people are make me sick. Even one of my friends is texting me saying, "Oh, Stanton doesn't want to play." Of course he does. These guys are human. They get injured. Uh, I really hate to bring this up, and it's a comparison I don't want to make, but Aaron Judge's injury in the last two years, um, Stanton doesn't get that same compassion that Aaron Judge has gotten, and and Judge missed two and a half months with an oblique. He missed uh, time uh, last year with getting hit on the hand, and getting hit on the hand really doesn't make you injury prone. And this... And he doesn't get the same compassion that Didi does when uh, he's coming back from Tommy John. It's almost like it's Stanton's fault that he gets injured, which which is just mind-boggling to me. And you saw what he could do in game one against the Astros when he deposited that ball 430 feet to right center field. Why fans don't want this guy on the team is just – it blows my mind. And you go back to last year, the guy had a 4.6 war, 38 homers, 100 RBIs, playing five weeks on a bad hamstring. Just the talk of dismissing this guy all the time is so, so ludicrous. I, I, it, it, I don't it frustrates yeah, I got me a lot. <laughs> it frustrates me a lot because a lot of people don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, it's you know he, he was. They said he was begging to get in the lineup, um, and he was he was healthy enough to get to play Game Six. And Aaron Boone just said no. So I mean, it's just you know sometimes it came down to it. They they went with Encarnacion here. I mean, look, they both looked lost. So it, it does you know in the end, I don't think it really mattered who you had up there. Um, but but Stan was pissed. I mean, he was he, Stan wants to play baseball. I don't. I hate people saying, "Oh, you got paid," and he doesn't care anymore. Like. Stan cares. He, he did eight years in freaking Miami and, you know, finally got a chance to hear make an impact. Like, you don't think this guy wants to go down as one of the best all-time players? Like, he, he really has the power to go down as one of the best 
power hitters of all time. He wins a couple titles with New York. People will completely change the way you think about him. He wants to go out there. He wants to go out there and win a title. Um, but it's getting similar to, to, you know, the A-Rod stuff when he first came to the Yankees of like that, you know, that he doesn't care or whatever. But, you know, you win that one title like A-Rod did in 09 and kind of changes the, the perception a little bit. You know, that was before everything else with A-Rod happened. But you know what, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, Stan's going to be there. Um, the only two teams that would trade for him, I would assume, would be the Dodgers and the Cardinals. He already said no to the Cardinals. Um so I don't think he would say yes again. And I'm not sure the Dodgers make that, that type of move. I can see the Dodgers, if they're going to spend that money, are going to go after the free agent types instead of the, the, the trade types. So we'll, we'll kind of go there. But will, will, will he be a center? I'm sorry. Will he be a left fielder or will he be a DH? Does What happens with Brett Gardner now? Brett Gardner wants to keep playing. Brett Gardner had a very good year this year. Brett Gardner showed that you know he could turn on the power. He was the number three hitter for the freaking Yankees from majority of, of the postseason here. Brett Gardner is going to play baseball next year, and I think the Yankees are going to offer him a similar type one-year deal to keep him around, and this kind of then has the logjam again going into the season um, in the outfield for the Yankees. Yeah, I really wonder what's going to happen with Gardner because he had 28 home runs this year. He had uh, nearly 900 OPS against right-handed pitchers, and that's what got him in the three-hole of the lineup in the postseason. Whether they bring him back or not, I'm not quite sure. He's 36 years old, just at a career high in home runs. Uh, I don't think he'd get a multi-deal, multi-year deal elsewhere. But when you look at Stanton's injuries and um, – I re- and even the injuries of Aaron Hicks, it's kind of two separate discussions just because I think that Stanton needs to be the DH uh, if you're looking to preserve him. He's just, you know, a 6'6", all muscle, it seems like. Yeah. I, I don't want to say he's fragile, but you, you want to keep in mind the wear and tear he has out in the outfield, and, and he plays a different left field than he does a right field. Uh, and Aaron Hicks, if, if you bring back Gardner, it's almost assumed that Hicks is going to be on the DL at some point. Um, so yeah. bringing back Gardner gives you that insurance out in center field. Now, Gardner doesn't have the same defense in center field that he once does, but Gardner for one year at the right price, worst case, he's a fourth outfielder, but he can do good things. That was the plan this year, and he ended up being a starting center fielder most of the season. Yeah, so I'm all about bringing him back on a one-year deal. But it's if he gets a multi-year deal elsewhere, um, I think that might be tough for him to turn down. I don't think he will, uh, but it's certainly possible. But I'd love to have him back. Is you know may, maybe give him a raise, maybe uh, pay him nine and a half million again this year because it was a one-year seven and a half million. But they needed yeah. uh, to buy out the two million on his extension yeah, so that he signed. Give him a ten-year deal, ten mil. Yeah, one year, ten million. I'm fine with that, uh, especially with the presence he has in the clubhouse. Uh, I think th- as a veteran, I think the clubhouse presence is going to be huge, especially with CC retiring. Shout out CC for just being awesome and being CC. Um, but then it brings up other questions for the outfield. While we're sticking with the outfield, um, could they get the same type of production from Mike Talkman? Mike Talkman can play all three positions here. He'll cost six hundred thousand dollars. Does you know? You know, the Gardner, if everybody's healthy, Gardner's your fourth outfielder. That makes Talkman your fifth outfielder. Um, and then let's bring it up. Clint Frazier. I mean, what when when, if or ever are you gonna trade him, keep him, keep him, or finally play him? Um, if if you're bringing back if you're bringing back um, Gardner, you're not obviously not gonna trade Stan, you just signed and just signed Hicks, you got Judge. Um, 
he's going to be buried in AAA again. I mean, I mean, fuck it, bury him in AAA again. But I, I think you know, you know, maybe this is the time Clint Frazier finally comes up and does something. Um, so it, it's going to be a crowded outfield with Gardner. Um, do, do you? I don't know. Do you roll the dice here and say go, go for it? And maybe he signs you know, a one-year, fifteen million dollar deal with the Oakland A's or something. And then you roll Mike Talkman out there and Clint Frazier as your extra bench guy here. Or you finally get rid of Clint Frazier, but at the same, same type of kind of stuff with Andujar is the Yankees have been killing his value since the day he got here. Well, what's he really going to bring back? And then are you going to just ship him off there for a potential 6-7 starter as a, a pitcher? Steve, I honestly forgot about Clint Frazier uh, <laughs> until you just mentioned him. I, I mean, really, he's been rotting in AAA. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what the Yankees do with them. I am leaning that the Yankees are going to bring back Gardner. We thought the last year was going to be the end of him in 2018. He hit 220 in the second half and did nothing in the postseason. But they brought him back, and he was one of the Yankees' best players this season. So I think he's going to be back and really – I don't really know the value that Clint Frazier has if he has any at all. He so, needs to change the scenery. I'll give him that, and it'll be fine. But it'll, it'll be disappointing if we trade him for two single-A guys that will never play in the majors. Because um, I, 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 there's going to be a season where Clint Frazier hits 30 home runs in, in, in Major League Baseball. And I know it was like, oh, who cares about the home runs? His defense is going to suck. Fine. If he could you know, hit 30 home runs, about 270 from a DH spot, he's going to have an impact on some roster somewhere. So um, make, make make or break year for, for Clint Frazier and the Yankees. Shit or get off the pot. Get rid of him at winter meetings so we don't have to just kind of cross it off or come out and say he's going to be you know on the, the Yankees roster if he's healthy. Um, so we'll see there. The last, the last guy I would talk about here – um, just because decisions that will likely have to be made before we get into possible free agents uh, real quick, is Aroldis Chapman. Aroldis Chapman was one of the best relievers in baseball, one of the best closers all year round. Obviously, the lasting memory of this season is going to be Altuve smoking a 700-foot home run off a slider because Chapman didn't want to use his fastball with the base open. He's going to opt out. He should opt out. He was He played awesome all season. He's got two years left on this deal. So if he does opt out, what should the Yankees' move be? I have an idea of what I would do, but I want to, I want to hear what, what Sammy Smooth thinks first. Well, first off, I do not think he's going to opt out. I know oh, okay. Was, I, but I'm going to get into a situation if he does. There was a report uh, in May saying he was sure to opt out, yada, yada, and then he came out and said, my only focus is on this year, blah, blah, blah. When you look, when he looks at other uh, relievers in the market, he's got like 17 mil each year left on his deal. Yeah. Uh, Craig Kimbrell unemployed until June. Um, but really, what, did, what did Kimbrell get though? He got more than 34 million for two years. He got he got three years at 43. He, he got so that's 14 million a year. Yeah. Chapman's Chapman's making 17 million a year over for the next two years, years versus three years. Still, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's going to be really tough. Um, he's going to be taking a big risk by opting out because we've seen uh, GMs be reluctant to pay relievers. But I would give him a, a three-year deal, maybe give him a little raise, uh, maybe get that to, to 19 or $20 million a year in three years, add an extra year on the deal. Um, okay. Uh, but if he walks – 
Uh, Dellen Batantis, he's also a free agent, um, but next year is going to be a rehab year for him, mostly. Uh, But if Chapman walks, the Yankees aren't in great position, but they're not in terrible position. I'd move Zach Britton to the closer's role. Uh, You have Adovino uh, as the setup man. Chad Green can be the seventh inning guy. Uh, And Loisica could be... In the bullpen, he in mop-up duty and in some meaningful time. I mean, Astro Sitters were having a tough time against him. Uh, so there's a lot of ways you can go with this. But internal, that's my solution. Uh, Steve, what do you have to offer? Yeah, so my, my idea is is the same but opposite. Give him, Let him opt. I think he definitely opts out. I think he's going to want to top Craig Kimball's contract here. I think that extra year is important. You know, $43 million versus $34 million. Um, even though there's an extra year there, it is a factor. Um, but I go the opposite way. I say I'll say you can opt out, but then we're gonna we're gonna plop the um, the yearly number down. So what what about a three year for forty eight million? You're gonna you know, top keg Craig Kimball's here, but we're gonna, we're gonna lower your your average salary here. Is do you want the seventeen million for the next two years, or do you want sixteen million for three years? Um, I think that's something I, I can see Cashman doing, and honestly, that's, that's something I can see. I don't see anyone else topping that. If he truly hits the market here, I don't think Chapman's getting three years for $50 million. You know what? I take that back right now because I do think one team would give him that deal, and it's the Philadelphia Phillies, and they only do that if they sign Joe Girardi to be their manager because I think Joe Girardi really liked Chapman. So I can see the Phillies going over the top of that deal here, but but Chapman's looking at three years, $45 to $50 million. Um, so I, I think it makes sense for him to opt out. And I think it makes sense for the Yankees to to stick with their closer, even though the you know the his last pitch went seven billion feet over like a train station or wherever the hell that is up there. Um, so we'll see what happens with Chapman there. I think he opts out with the idea to leverage it and stay in New York. Um, he got traded to to the Cubs and like was pretty adamant like immediately after the trade that he was going to come back to the Yankees. So it was like not a shocker that he signed the biggest contract for a closer of all time shortly after that. Um, but I think he likes New York. And I think he just wants that extra year. So I think Chapman's sticking around. Um, like you said, the Yankees are set up if he does leave. Um, Britain can opt out. The problem is if he opts out and he leaves, it's going to create an opt-out domino effect because then Britain becomes the closer. I assume Britain has a pretty good year. Britain then opts out of his deal. Um, and then because he's now a closer, he's going to want closer money here. So two or three years down the line, the Yankees' bullpen could suffer. But I don't think it's going to be the case here anyway. I think that the Yankees are going to are going to retain Roldis Chapman, opt out or not. I think they're going to retain him too because, like you said, uh, I think he wants to be here in New York, and I think they could easily make the money work. And my lasting memory of him is not going to be Altuve's walk-off home run. He has been so, so dominant over most of the last three seasons. And you know what really made me uh, really, really mad how people said he was smiling coming off the mound, oh. including that idiot uh, KFC, uh, the Barstool <laughs> guy. I mean, uh, and and I, I don't want to get too off topic here, but it seems like there's some people on Twitter who get more happy when the Yankees lose than when their team Len wins. Um, That's a fact. Really just a bunch of Let losers. them enjoy. I, mean, I don't care. <laughs> I, I cannot imagine being a sports fan like that. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that that really got me upset how people said he was smiling. But this is a guy who's been dominant for most of the last three seasons, and I want him back on the Yankees, and I think they're going to make it work. Um, 
But yeah, Steve, you make a good point. I think they could, you know, add that third year to him. He's he's going to be thirty two, uh, and lock him up until his age thirty four season. And uh, I still think his velocity has gone down j- just a little bit, but that slider is absolutely wicked that he features and. That's as long really, as you're not sitting on it like Altuve was, it's a good pitch. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's. I think it's going to uh, that slider and the development of that pitch over the last couple of years has added years on his career and may, maybe made him some more money. All right, yeah. So that I think so. Those are the Yankees guys that that could be gone. Um, there's a couple other two that are that are a little, I'd say, less important here. But for the most part, the Yankees roster should look the same. Barring a huge trade, like you said, for Lindor or something like that. Um, the Yankees will have some money to spend. We'll see if they play tight to the wallet here to make sure they don't go over that second tax um, threshold, which I believe will be around $228 million. So they'll have 20 or so million to play with here. Um, the biggest thing will be trying to solve the pitching for like the seventh year in a row. The Yankees have not given out a huge deal for a contract since Masahiro Tanaka. Um, and before that, it was CC Sabathia. Well, CC's retiring. Tanaka's on the last year of his deal coming up here. That's so hard to believe. I thought about that the other <laughs> yeah. day. Tanaka's done. He's gonna be. He's, Tanaka will be a free agent after next year. The big name is obviously Garrett Cole. The Yankees have loved Garrett Cole since he was like 14 years old. They drafted him uh, first over. I mean, in, 28th overall in the first round. Even though he flat out told them he was going to UCLA no matter what, they're like, we'll try and convince you. It didn't work. When he was with the Pirates here, the Yankees tried to make a trade for him here. He was having a down year. The Yankees prospect hug a little too tight, which has proven to backfire on him. Um, he goes to the Astros, and it's hurt even more. He will be a free agent. He will get the biggest contract in history for a starting pitcher. I don't think the Yankees are ones that will offer that, though. I agree with you. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to be anywhere near these negotiations too. I'll, I'll go even bolder. I don't think they're going to be anywhere near this guy. Um, they're, yeah. they're very wary of this, even though the last two big pitching contracts have worked out uh, very well in CC and Tanaka. So we'll see what happens here, but I don't think they're going to be anywhere near uh, Garrett Cole. You can mark that down. Uh, yeah. No, I, I don't I, think I they're going to be anywhere near him. I don't disagree with you. I think the Angels are the the big player here. They need someone like him. He's from the L.A. area. Um, team him up with with Trout and Otani. Um, Pujols' contract eventually comes off the books by the time he's like 100 years old. So they have, they, they've they never been shy to give out huge contracts. They took on Justin Upton here. I think the Astro – I mean, yeah, the, the Angels are, are the easy – target for for Garrett Cole here I think the Dodgers will play a big factor too Clayton Kershaw is getting older um they obviously will, will shell out the big bucks um if you get a, a rotation of Walker Bueller and Garrett Cole the the Dodgers become my um immediate 2020 uh favorites for the World Series here I think the I think the Astros are gonna have to let them go I think they've kind of already with some comments from some players have kind of already said that that's the case here um, I don't think he takes the discount to stay in Houston, but maybe a World Series changes that. Maybe losing a World Series could change that. Who, who really knows with that? But I think those are kind of the only th- real three teams I see as, as threats here. It's going to be Angels, Dodgers, and, and Astros. Um, I was completely wrong on where Bryce Harper and Manny Machado were going to go at this time last year, so maybe I'm wrong, and, and Garrett Cole does end up a Yankee. Um, the second guy from starting pitching is uh, Steven Strasburg. He 
has an opt-out clause. He also, like Cole, will be pitching it for a World Series in this coming week here. Um, I think Strasburg goes the route of Chapman that we just talked about. He opts out with the intention to sign with the Nationals, and it'll be up to the Yankees to blow him away. And I, I don't know if that happens either. Yeah, I, I see Strasburg staying with the Nationals too uh, on that same plan that you mentioned, Steve. Uh, so, and even if he gets out on the open market, I don't see the Yankees uh, giving a big pitching contract to him. There haven't really been any marquee pitchers moving around the last couple of years, and the Yankees have gone the trade market when they've uh, gone to a pitcher in Gray and Hap midseason and Paxton uh, last offseason. So, yeah. I don't see them spending big money on a pitcher. I know that's going to disappoint a lot of people. Uh, maybe if Hank Steinbrenner, or excuse me, George Steinbrenner, George Steinbrenner was still alive, uh, he'd come in and override that. But I don't see the Yankees uh, spending big on a pitcher. I, I think they have their theory on that, that you know a bad pitching contract really can, can screw up a team for a lot of years, and they don't want to take that risk. So... Yeah, do I agree? Do goes, I agree with the decision? No, I, I don't agree with it. I, I'd have them go after Garrett Cole, but yeah. I don't think they're going to. Um, then it it opens it up to if you're going to improve the roster through starting pitching and through free agency, then your guy, then you're talking guys about a, a 30 year old Madison Bumgarner who has not really performed that well, uh, a you know Rue from the Dodgers who I think is, is going to stay with the Dodgers after a good year he had too. You know, then we're talking Zach Wheeler. Um, or Jake Orderizzi, you know, guys like this. Um, Dallas Keuchel, again, the Yankees passed on him twice. Um, does he now become uh, something they do there? I'm not sure. He'll be, what, 32, 33 now? Um, so it'll be interesting to see if the Yankees miss on the two big guys. Do they even just pause altogether and run it back, which people will have absolute furious fits over. But, you know, we could be looking at a, a rotation heading into 2020 of – Hopefully it's healthy. Severino, Paxton, Tanaka, Jordan Montgomery, Jay Happ, um, and maybe Domingo Herman in the second half of the season after he gets suspended a billion games. If the Yankees hold on to him, um, I gotta pause. Uh, I gotta pause you there for a second, Steve. I just want to say again, fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck Domingo Herman. I don't want to see him in a Yankees uniform again. What he did is terrible. Uh, and how he let the Yankees down is terrible. They terribly missed him in that series in Houston. Get him the hell off the team. Yeah, so if he's off the team, then you're leaning on, you know, Michael King. Does he finally get a shot there? I mean, could Chance Adams for, you know, he looks like crap after the pet being, you know, highly touted two years ago. Um, you know, does Debbie Garcia push his way into the rotation here? Those are all internal options here. And I think people will flip a shit if the Yankees don't make a move for a pitcher some way or another. So it'll be the off season is going to come down to pitching. Um, you know, they, they might, you know, they still could be regretting passing on, on Corbin and giving him that sixth year. If Corbin is raising a title with Strasburg and the Nats in, in the next 10 days. So we'll, we'll see kind of there all around from, uh, from a from position player standpoint, I don't think there's there's any big moves to be made. I don't think they are the ones that make a, you know a huge move and sign uh, Anthony Rendon or something like that, especially with the, the log jam they have uh, at third base. But into the future, into 2020 here, Sam. Let's kind of just wrap it up here. Um, I think the Astros lose Garrett Cole and their team gets a little, a little bit older. They are not as good as they are right now. I say in 2020, and that could be they could be defending champions. Um, I think the, the Red Sox have. 
you know, a bunch of issues on their end, and and who knows what they do with Mookie Betts possibly, and and JD Martinez could be gone. Um, that you know, the Twins, you know, the Twins are still the Twins. I'm going to make fun of the Twins because they haven't they haven't proven that they can actually hang with the big guys yet. So going into 2020 and not making any major moves, the Yankees are still kind of the favorites uh, to to go to the World Series in the AL. And I mean, it's it's stupid to to talk about now 48 hours after they just got knocked out by the Astros two times in three years but I'm just saying yeah I I think so too I think the Astros do lose Cole um but it's yeah I I don't know what happens uh a a lot of things can be different maybe the Red Sox run it back again and, and sale bounces back and price bounces back and they make a move for a starter uh who knows but all the comments up north there seem like they want to cut payroll. And who knows what happens with the Astros. Maybe Cole stays. I don't yeah. know. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what happens. Think, the Yankees, so, yeah. the, the point Yankees is they suck right now. The Yankees arguably will be go, the favorites to go to the World Series in Vegas yeah. next year. After the Astros likely lose Cole. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the point here. Yeah, this sucks right now. The Yankees' 2019 season was a complete failure because they did not win um, the World Series. But heading into 2020, because that's what you do when you lose. You look towards the next year, the Yankees' outlook looks, still looks great. They still have a ton of talent. They're still going to do some some crazy shit in the field, hit a lot of home runs um, and, and, and everything like that. So um, we'll see what happens in 2020. My, my final note here as we talk about the Astros and Yankees here the Astros hit 179 uh, throughout the, the ALCS. Not great. Not a lot of great contact. They relied on big home runs, much like the Yankees have done all year. For all the starting pitching things that the, the Astros had, they had to use an opener, and they had to rely on their bullpen to close the series out in Game 6. Sweeney Murdy tweeted that out uh, today, and I just find that kind of ironic because those are the two things that the Yankees were bashed for and they were lying all, all year. Yes, it's a long stretch of, of, a, of a playoff series here that it hurt the Yankees. But as we look forward to it, the big home runs and the bullpen are still going to be things the Yankees look for in 2020 and will rely on to get them back to the postseason in 2020. They absolutely will. I, I just think some changes need to be made in the uh, starting rotation. Um, and that the, the improved starting pitching and better timely hitting – uh, and they'll have a non-rusty Hicks. We'll have a non-rusty Stanton, hopefully. Uh, better starting pitching and timely hitting is what's going to get them back here. Um, and we'll see what happens. I'm already itching for opening day, Steve. Itching. I know, I know. I, I didn't want to talk baseball at all the past 48 hours. Now we're closing in on an hour here. And I'm like, all right, when it's opening day, Yankees are back. We'll figure it out. But, but it, it's still depressing to know that – Tomorrow, we're going to watch the World Series, and the Yankees will not be there. But until next year, that's going to wrap it up us for the 2019 season of podcasting in pinstripes. It has been a pleasure to be here and talk Yankees baseball every week with Sam Sam and myself. So thank you to everybody listening. Um, and to Sam, it's been a shout-out, man. It's, it's been fun every week. This will be our 26th episode this season here. Um, we were hoping to have 28 episodes and then have it end with a 28th title, but we came up, uh, came up just short um, once again, but it's always fun talking with you, man. Absolutely. Steve. I can't believe this was our third season. I mean, right. absolutely <laughs> wild. I mean, 
When we started this podcast, I had a ponytail. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) now my hair is all short. uh, Sammy ponytail. I forgot about that. (laughs) Oh, my. So many great memories. Uh, And I can't wait. Uh, You know, Yanks will be back in 2020, and so will we. Yeah, definitely for sure. And if something's going on around the hot stove around December time, uh, Sam and I might jump on and do some more uh, kind of a hot stove free agency or big trade discussions here. But a big shout out again. Thank you to all the listeners for sticking with us this season. Uh, baseball season's over, but be sure to check out GothamSN.com for uh, you know the next season starts in, in 24 hours here. The Rangers are back on the ice. Giants and Jets podcasts every week, even though those would be probably just as depressing as a farewell funeral episode for the Yankees of late. But but stick with us here in New York, and we'll hopefully have some some exciting winners too. But uh, Yankees in 2020, man. Sam, I'll see you then. Let's rock, Steve. I'll see you then. 